Chag Sameach, everyone. Chag Sameach. Just bringing you a, a bit of a message from our sukkah, um, a message of uh, of this holiday in in uh, in terms that I think are really beautiful. You know, every one of us understands that there's a mitzvah on this holiday, not only to sit in the sukkah, but also to shake your love and etrog. And we're familiar with this idea that a person takes the three species, the lulav, the hadasim, and the aravot, and they tie them together. They literally wrap them up, they tie them either with a bow or with special rings, uh, and then they take the etrog, and they bring the etrog, and they put the two together, and that's how you shake a lulav and etrog. Our midrash and our rabbis teach us that each of these four species represent different people on the Jewish continuum. Someone who has Torah and mitzvot, someone who has Torah but no mitzvot, someone who has mitzvot but no Torah, and someone who has neither. Each one of these types of Jews are brought together when we come into the sukkah, and they sit together in this house of God, the tzila de mehemnuta, the shadow of faith. And I just wanted to invoke a beautiful pasuk. The pasuk says, you know, um, uh, Vekarav echad el echad, the Navi Heskel, uh, Ezekiel, he says, and God told the prophet, he said, write on one of the, a piece of wood, write on it, it says, the, the tribe of Yosef, the, you know, one side of the Jewish people. And on the other one, you should write on it, the tribe of Yehuda of Judah. At the time, in, uh, in ancient Jewish kingdoms, there was a separation between these two kingdoms, and in many times they actually fought against one the other. They were in different places ideologically, they were in different places militarily, and literally they were fighting one against the other. And what's amazing to notice is he tells the prophet to write on these two sticks of wood, the name of Yehuda, the name of Yosef, v'karav echad el echad, and bring the two of them together in your hand, v'hayu le'achadim biyadecha, and they would be as one, they would become one in your hand. Um, the message he was teaching the prophet was that although it seemed that Am Yisrael was split and divided, they would figure out a way to come together. But I think that we are learning a deeper message here as well, not just a prophetic vision for something that would come later, but rather also the idea that sometimes it takes a prophet, a leader, to take Jews by the hand who are in a different place and bring them together, almost close them together in his hand and they become one even though they're still separate pieces of wood but by virtue of the fact that they're being squeezed together in one hand they become one thing the lulav and etrog are the same exact idea you have a rasha and a sadiq but somehow because they're being held together they're bound up together they feel like they're part of the same mitzvah part of the same mission Suddenly, each one of them becomes this beautiful citizen in the uh, in the nation of Am Yisrael and become connected through God's will and God's uh, commandments. You know, just uh, today there was a Nobel Peace Prize that was awarded to a couple scientists uh, for creating or coming up with the idea of CRISPR, which is not a way that you like your chicken. It's not a way that you like uh, what's it called? Uh, you potato chips. CRISPR actually is a method of gene editing, where when a person is having a baby, they could decide, mm, don't know if I quite like the blue eyes, I want the green eyes, I don't really want a boy, I want a girl, you know, different things that a person can do to change, uh, to change the, the result of the pregnancy that they're going to have. 
And um, this was seen as, as an incredible, uh, beautiful, amazing invention. And there is no doubt that it is. And I'm sure that in the right hands, uh, gene editing will be an amazing thing. But I think that there's a broader concern about this concept of gene editing, where someone gets to decide what is a better child, what is a better person. You know, I want the kid to look like this, and because he doesn't look that way, let me figure out how to scientifically alter someone to be that which I want them to be. On Sukkot, we have the exact opposite idea of CRISPR, not gene editing, but recognizing that even the Rasha, if he's brought together, taken by the hand, then something beautiful happens. You know, uh, our rabbis tell us that the numerical value of the word Yad, which means a hand in Hebrew, Yud and Dalit, is 14. And it's really interesting because if you count, you'll notice that there are 14 joints in the hand, which is why that letter, those words and those letters represent the hand. So each finger has three, three, six, nine, twelve, except for the thumb, which only has two. So that's 14 in total uh, joints in the hand. What's interesting, though, is that if Yad is 14, when you put one hand in the other, where people are joining hands, the numerical value of the 14 and the 14, the two hands joined together, is 28, which is the word in Hebrew, koach, of strength. Our strength as Jewish people is when we are bound up together. We are in a difficult time right now. We are facing uh, different people doing different things with regards to a disease that every day is more confusing. And I'm not saying someone is right and someone is wrong. I do believe and I feel uh, passionately that people should be taking the precautions that they can um, and that they must in in a specific time. But let me ask you a simple question. Many people are now looking at an ultra-religious group of people and screaming and yelling about them and their choices. It is incredibly important to also understand that sometimes when we are a little bit less religious than them and they are acting intolerant of our decisions, we just say to them, aren't we just one people? Can't we just join together? Why must there be fights or elitism? Why do you have to, you know, why can't we just agree to disagree and love one another, etc., etc.? And now... I'm not finding that kind of coming both ways in this story. I disagree also with plans to have regular synagogue and regular everything during Simchat Torah. I actually think it's dangerous. But to kind of badmouth and to see the language that I've been seeing on social media bandied about, it's mind-blowing. It's important to do everything you can to be able to further the agenda of health and safety. But yelling and cursing and calling names on social media, has that ever done anything? Has that ever changed anybody's mind? Have you ever seen a big fight on Instagram and one of the persons says, you know what, you're right, I should vote for President Trump. You know what, you're actually right. Joe Biden, great leader for our country. Social media is not the place for that because it's not actually conversations. It's just me throwing my words at you and then you waiting till I'm done so you could throw your words back at me. At which point one of us gets compared to Hitler. Now, this is an amazing thing because effectively we learn this concept that if you want achadim biyadecha, you want people to be together, you have to take that in the hand. You have to figure out how to be able to to bridge these two sides of a community or sides of a people. You know, it's funny because in in so many different things, there's this idea called confirmation bias. Confirmation bias means when you decide what you believe and then you just find all the things that say what you believe and you say, you see, it's true. 
but you're just choosing the things that say what you actually want them to say. The challenge here is that we're finding is that every every day we get a reversal of what this disease is. I mean, only yesterday the CDC decided that it was uh, airborne. I mean, you remember when it was airborne and then it wasn't airborne? Oh, it's now it's airborne again. Um, you remember when surfaces were really dangerous and then surfaces weren't dangerous at all? You know, remember when people were saying that if you had it, you couldn't get it anymore, and then now you can get it, and then it shifts back again. We are in this situation of tremendous uh, lack of knowledge, and I I don't agree with those people who are doing these things. But I just want to ask us all a question: like you know, when you see uh, uh, airplanes that are allowed to take off with people sitting four in a row wearing masks, why is that different than a synagogue? You know, yeah, they'll say because people are talking and singing. Well, that depends. Are they distinguishing between the synagogues that sing and don't sing? There was a, a directive that came out now that there's allowed only 10 people in a synagogue in a red zone. I get that. You want to limit the amount of people. But to not differentiate between a building that can house 4,000 people, that has multiple rooms for minyanim, and a little tiny shtibel that can barely fit 10 people through its doors, that doesn't sound scientific, does it? So... When something is being given in a draconian way, sometimes people push back. And even if we think that they're wrong, and I do think that they are wrong, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to choose to chew them out and badmouth them online. Lots of us are saying we're really worried about anti-Semitism, you know, and how could they do this? Isn't it going to bring anti-Semitism? Don't you think that negative remarks, like especially ones skewering them from the inside, are going to result in that? I mean, the fact that Andrew Cuomo is lecturing us today about, about, um, about what the Torah teaches us, I mean, I, I found that rich. That's confirmation bias. Like, you know, you decided something, you called up a rabbi and said, tell me what I need to say to make the, to kind of kosher this. It's a strange thing that we're experiencing. They're not talking about Bedford-Stuyvesant. They're not talking about Chinatown, which are non-Jewish areas which are experiencing upticks as well. Now, it's important for us to understand that although that is true, and even if it is anti-Semitic, I believe that each and every one of us should not be deciding whether or not we should be playing it safe based on whether or not that's anti-Semitic. We should be deciding whether or not to play it safe based on the health directives. And if the health directives are telling us to wear masks or to be outside or to social distance, or at the very least to try to do our best, we probably shouldn't decide that we're going to have massive indoor gatherings with close quarter dancing, everybody on top of each other singing at the top of our lungs, irrespective of who's the one that gave gave that order. So I'm, in a, a certain effect, asking or pleading for people to use their common sense and not to decide to do something because of somebody else is deciding for them to do that thing. You know, uh, I, I find that the humility of understanding that I don't know everything and therefore I'm going to err a little bit on the side of caution, that's a pretty smart thing to do. And, and, and to kind of fight, rise up and declare that we're going to, you know, take to the streets and we're going to protest because because the black community protested, what, that has nothing to do with anything. It is true that they didn't mention anything about the black protests. And I do think that that was a mistake, the fact that they were willing to kind of not talk about anything that was going on on the streets then. And now they were, I do think that that's a problem. But I don't think that the response to that is to go in close quarters on the street without masks on top of each other because they got away with it. What does that have to do with anything? Um, that's a really important thing to do. And I, I just will say this. 
you know, this time is a time of It's a time of pure joy. And I think a lot of our decisions today are not being motivated by joy. They're not being motivated by clear thinking. They're not being motivated by science. They're not being motivated by the doctors of the community, even not the extreme ones. They're being motivated primarily by us deciding what we want to do and then saying everybody else is a liar and I know what's right. You know, just... For one second, if we were to get out of that negativity and cynic and cynical place and be in a state of visamachta bichagecha, from a happy place you make much better decisions. From an angry place, you almost always make terrible ones. So I think maybe on some level that's also something that we could learn and and benefit from from the sukkah. Um, I, I hope that what I'm saying actually resonates with you and uh, that I have my finger on the pulse. I, I hope that uh, that that what I'm communicating is powerful but not uh, vindictive or cynical but that it's open, clear honest um, and if that's the case so then maybe that's something that you can take on board as well to school Shanim Rabot, sending you only love, only joy only health, only happiness and please God Be'ezrat Hashem, we will get through this holiday and thousands more like it in the future in, uh, in safety in health, in happiness um, and Be'ezrat Hashem in a surrounding country and area that is also uh, not anti-Semitic and treats us exactly the same as everybody else. Teskul Shem Rabot.